You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. May the 4th be with you. Yes, it's May 4th. It's Star Wars Day. So to kick off the podcast today, Taylor, I'm going to ask you the big question. Have you ever seen a Star Wars? Yes. You have? I think I watched... So I've seen like a little bit of The Phantom Menace, right? Like the one that came out in the 90s, like that everyone saw. So I've seen a little bit of that. And I watched, I think like... You know how the movies in the 70s, they're not actually, like, they were the first ones made, but not the first Mm -hmm. ones chronologically? I think I saw, like, the first one made recently, like, in the last year with Dan. So four, yeah. Yeah. And I've seen pretty much, like, my firm under like, what I know about Star Wars is from Spaceballs. That's great. Like, I know the overarching strokes of the film. You you know way more than I thought you would then, because you've seen more than I I was thinking. I thought you were going to say, no, I've never seen anything. I don't know. But it's it's Star Wars Day. So and Spaceballs counts as far as I'm concerned. Spaceballs 100 percent counts. And uh, I'll ask our our third co-host here. Tyler, welcome back. Hello. Uh, um, You've obviously seen many Star Wars. A what? Sorry, I'm not familiar with the franchise. Star Wars, was it? <laughs> yes, yes. I've seen all the Star Wars movies. And they're, they're, they're well, I was going to say they're all good, but that's just not true. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not all good. They're all watchable and enjoyable to some capacity, but good yeah. is a bit far. But uh, I thought, because we're going to have almost no Star Wars content this episode, I thought we should kick off to let people know we are aware that it's Star Wars Day. And guess what, fans? Taylor has seen some Star Wars. And I so, know there's even cartoons like Clone sure. Wars. Wow, that's yeah. wow! You pulled that title out. Wow, jeez, <laughs> <laughs> you're that's this is impressive. I didn't think you'd know this much. Well, great. I'm glad you've you've enjoyed some Star Wars. And yes, as I said, I think Spaceball should count because it's a fantastic parody movie, and Star Wars fans generally love Spaceballs. Tyler, have you seen Spaceballs? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, as it was definitely, I think the first of those kind of movies I saw. I saw it before Blazing Saddles or Young yeah. Frankenstein or anything like that. Yeah, and it was. Um, at the moment, I was when I was watching, I was too young to understand that it was supposed to be a parody of Star Wars. <laughs> so I was just kind of sitting there, I'm like, this all seems strangely familiar. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out to Mel Brooks. Yep. Um, okay, well, so we got a big episode today, so we, we kind of have to dive into it because you know we've got so much to cover. We are going to reveal all the winners from our fan voted first ever screening in Kingston awards. So that's exciting. We brought Tyler back for that because we said we would. We've also uh, pulled out some interesting films from the hat that we're going to talk about this week mm-hmm. and talk about Timeline and Love and Other Drugs. But before we do anything, I missed fan questions last week, even though I brought it up on air and every, a bunch of people pointed that out. Where are the fan questions? You said fan questions. So here we go. Let's just kick into fan questions with an extra person answering. Let's hear from Josh the Inquisitor first. Oh, hey, do you prefer doing the show from home or in the studio together so taylor what are your preferences do you like the home stuff do you miss the studio how do you feel i don't even remember what it was like to record in the studio no i um 
I like not having a commute to the studio because mm-hmm. parking on campus is a pain in the butt. But um, I'll be honest, like, like I don't know. Do you find that it's easier to concentrate when you're in the studio? I do. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> a, little, a little behind the scenes, I'm ratting myself out. Sometimes I do drift a little bit. Hopefully it's not noticeable. <laughs> Tyler, you listen to the show. Can you tell when I'm uh when I'm drifting a bit? No, no. It's like okay. it's, I've never been able to tell. It's like I can usually tell when you're you're really trying hard. Is like um not to swear, but other than that, it's like you usually seem right on the money. Okay, good. So I would say, Mike, that it's uh easier to be more focused because you're also playing off of a physical person yeah that's what i was gonna say is the really the thing i miss is that uh, we can't really see each other so playing off of someone i I am like our energy can rise together a lot easier when you're in studio um and as well the non non non-verbal cues to when to talk those things because we used to when we were in the studio i barely had to do any editing because we could just feed off of each other and it it flowed very well now every once in a while even though taylor and i are are not particular polite with each other we just interrupt (laughs) each other we won't have something to say but we do have those moments where we're not sure if we should speak and we stop and there are gaps that i edit out for the most part um so i miss the studio for that That not being able to kind of feed off each other that's hard and i speaking of not seeing each other we haven't seen each other in a year Mike, if you were to walk past me in the grocery store with a mask on, I don't know if I'd be able to recognize you. <laughs> yeah, especially with the mask. It would be it would be really tough. <laughs> oh gosh. But you know, I um as like as you know, if recording at home has become the new normal, if we ever got the opportunity to go back in the studio, I certainly would take it. For all the reasons that you said, Mike. Mm-hmm. I think it just it makes for for a more entertaining show. And more energized show on our end. Yeah. I don't know how it how it is offline, but yeah, I mean, if if things ever get back to a point where where everything's kind of <laughs> quote unquote normal again in some way, I think I'd love to go back and, and just be able to to be in studio again. Um, Tyler, you you came into studio before you left Kingston. Yeah, um, I think do you have twice. a preference. Do you have a preference to do in this online or not? Or? Well, I can say that the studio for someone who's not used to it is quite intimidating. The first time mm. I went in, there's like this huge switchboard with all of these like lights and stuff like that. And yeah, I don't have to deal with any of it, but it's just like <laughs> it's a very professional, intimidating setting as opposed to where I am right now, where I've got like my makeshift, makeshift office and I've got like my laptop on my bed and, like, and just kind of sitting here staring at all of my belongings. Like I feel very <laughs> at home here. Yeah, yeah, it, and that there is a comfort, there's a niceness and a comfort and and some security in here, and we have pretty good setups. I mean, I think we do a pretty good job. But shout out to the CFRC studio. Hopefully, we'll see you again sometime. If they will, uh, if they have us back, Mike. If they have us back, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe they're just like, no, thank you. <laughs> we're not welcome back. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure we'd be welcome back. CFRC is a lot of people. Who go in and out there for for shows and podcasts so it's it's a cool atmosphere um next question comes from jocelyn this came through our website last week um so this is she she says this might be more of a question for taylor than anybody else but we'll see maybe we'll all answer it um on the last episode taylor mentioned that she was a fan of some nick cage or crazier movies um, or at least I think some of the horror films that he's been in. Has she seen Willie's Wonderland? 
It's a pretty wild ride, but a wonderful movie. Nick Cage is at his Nick Cageiest. He barely says a word the entire movie, and basically it's him stuck in a Chuck E. Cheese-style restaurant having to fight demons who look like the crazy mascots those types of places used to have. Might be an interesting watch if you liked Mandy. So that's from Jocelyn. So Taylor, have you seen uh, this Willie's Wonderland? No, no. And I haven't even heard of it. I don't know if it's, uh, you know how Nick Cage's uh, accountant embezzled all his money and there's like, that's why he's been making all these movies. So I wonder, yeah. <laughs> is this one of his uh, trying to get out of the whole movies or is this? I, I guess so. I, I mean, I, I, I think it's, have you I haven't of heard it? of it either. No, I haven't heard of it either. But so it's a horror movie, I guess, where he's I wrote stuck in a Chuck E. Cheese style restaurant. I don't, how did he get stuck? That's the answer. There's two. There's a lot of questions. Yeah, it seems very new. It came out in 2021. Oh uh, wow! On, online, yeah. Is it, it sounds like the plot actually to the video game Five Nights at Freddy's. So I wonder if that was its uh, its inspiration. Ooh. Well, I had you it... heard of it before, Tyler? Um, I had. Someone had it was like referenced it as supposedly being the most Nick Cage performance in years, and so okay. whenever I hear that, you can't help but just kind of like turn and look like how can it get more Nick Cage than Mandy? But it turns out apparently it can. Hey, I'll check well, it out. Well, I mean, Taylor, I guess you got to check it out. And may, if it's worth reviewing, um, we can review it and find out what you think. But that's, that's the suggestion from Jocelyn. So there you go. Um, last question just came after our Oscars episode um from peter peter says i was listening to your oscars episode and a couple of things struck me as interesting that you guys both were talking a little bit about the history of the oscars where do you think things will go moving forward do you think we'll see a lot more changes to the oscars format do you think that there's a possibility that they will have new and different categories i noted that they combined the sound categories this year and that was something a little new just curious as to what your thoughts are for the future of the Oscars. So that's from Peter. Taylor, what's going to happen to the Oscars? I'd love for them just to completely overhaul and do like a YouTube special. Like, <laughs> like, YouTube. like, Wait, like 10 minute segments on YouTube. Oh, I see. Oh, I you know see. What I okay. mean? Like, um, I think it's too long, even with them trying to shorten it. I think it's horror. Like, it's just, uh, I just think it's, uh, it's dated. And I don't, I think that's across the board with, uh, we've talked about this a lot on the show when it comes to award season, award shows are dumb. They're mm -hmm. stupid. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's how do you judge best art is kind of a weird thing. Like it's a lot of these categories are so subjective and a lot of it's just really a lot of it's just excuses for all of them to get together and have fun. Like, yeah. Don't like you think it'd be fun party. to watch like a 10 minute segment of all of the best uh, best actors thrown into a room and they're just chatting and then at the end of that segment you find out who wins yeah that would be cool i love that idea like a round table yeah but, but then yeah. at the end of the 10 minutes okay this is who won but you get to kind of hear from all of them that'd be so cool. and you make it super accessible yeah i love it like on youtube that was kind of like i think that's like what they were trying to get at this year with how they kind of would introduce the, the nominee with like kind of like a factoid about them right i think that's what they were trying to do but i wish much rather would have just wanted them to like say it themselves like yeah 10 minutes tell me what your first job was in hollywood 
and yeah. then tell me who wins the award. That's a really cool idea. Just have like one host in the room asking them questions. They all talk to each other and then the award gets announced. Like, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the Hollywood yeah. Reporter actually does like um, they do roundtables every year close to like award season with some yeah. of the the big um, name actors and directors and cinematographers and whatnot. And they're actually really enjoyable. They're usually like one to two hours long. And um, it's neat to hear them talk and like bounce each ideas off each other. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's a much better watching experience than watching the actual Oscars where everyone's just kind of sitting there and they're they're clearly like a little bit awkwarded out, not really sure what they're supposed to do. And they just have to sit there for a really long time and get very hungry, apparently, in the process. Well, I'm going to I'm going to break the, the the wall here and and just tell some people something that they might not realize. Most actors are very awkward people. They're not <laughs> they're not they're introverts. They're not extroverts. Like that's a it's a misnomer that like, oh, if you're like an actor, you're probably like open and like not usually. You're not usually a very comfortable person. Like, again, I went to theater school and about half of the people would be, I would describe like me, find it to talk to people, very comfortable in a room full of people, kind of gets energy from from having conversations. But then the other half are just like, like Joaquin Phoenix. Insufferable. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, they're just like, I don't really want to deal with you. But some of them are the most talented people. Some of the most talented people I ever worked with were were just hard to talk to. Just like- so tough to talk to, so awkward. Um, but, you know, it's just the way they express themselves and the way they feel comfortable is through theater or through the arts. So I, I think it's, you have to you have to have that buffer, I think, if you can have a really engaging host and, Paul Rudd. and talk. Paul Rudd. I want Paul Rudd just speak. to interview. <laughs> yes, yes, someone who, who's very good at talking can pull stuff out of them. Because if you just put Joaquin Phoenix in a room with like anyone else, it's going to be really awkward unless you have someone to, to pull the conversation along. Yeah. I think that definitely makes for most of Joaquin Phoenix movies, the moment he's entered screen, like if you had a, like a gauge on the side that was looking at awkwardness, it like jumps up by a good, like 30%. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, he's, he's a, I would describe him as a pretty brilliant actor. Oh yeah. Um, but would I want to have a conversation with him or a meal with him? No. I mean, that's what I happens when you grow up in a cult, right? Like, well, yes, okay, but maybe <laughs> we, the, maybe cards, the, the cards Joaquin were Phoenix stacked against him from is the a beginning. Specific example, but I think it's the same for for a lot of people. Like, a lot of people were complaining about, you know, some of the the hosts um, or certainly awards people who are giving away the awards were a little awkward and speaking about people are awkward. Well, it's because they're not good at these things. They're good at here's my script. I'm going to follow it. You tell them, oh no, just like just kind of like kill time and just like say something they're like i don't know brutal. what to do it was brutal to watch i mean like i know it's been brutal in the past but like it felt especially bad this year yeah it did it it was it was a i think it was a huge miss that's what i'll say huge miss but i really love this idea taylor like if that was the awards it's like here's a bunch of 10 minute sequences with each award category and it's just talking and it, there's one, you know, maybe it's one different host in each room. And it's the, to me, that's awesome because that's what I like about award shows. It's just a chance to celebrate the year of movies and a chance to kind of get to know and, and hear the speeches and hear what these people have to say. Because I think it's really interesting when they talk about their their own art. And if you put them in a room, that's what's going to happen. They're going to talk about each other's performances, what they liked, maybe trade some secrets. They, that would be cool. I would love well, it. Well, Oscars hit Taylor up. I got lots of good, just like, you know, 
Hollywood, Mike and Taylor, we got lots of good ideas. Yeah, well, <laughs> give us got a job. Lots of movies in the making. Let's go. <laughs> um, what about you, Tyler? Any thoughts on where you think the Oscars are going to go and what you want to see? I don't know. I like. I kind of been predicting that the Oscars were going to die for like ten years now. So I'm just it's like, I feel that every time I say like, "Oh, there's the last nail in the coffin," they still find like, "Oh no, there are more places to put nails." Um, and, like, and it just it keeps on happening. And it's like, so I feel like this thing is going to keep on limping into the point where NBC no longer finds it like viable. And at that point, I think it'll become more open to become more online, and then younger people will get a hold of it, and it'll become more of an interesting thing again. Um, mm. until that time, as long as they keep on thinking they can get money out of the broadcast, they'll keep doing it the exact same way until, yeah. uh, until it dies. And I think it is important to note that, that to me, innovation is, is to always change and grow. There's not one fix. Like, you know, you get young people involved once they are going to age. And so I think the mistake is that you stick with the same kind of group of producers. You need someone who's innovative to take on the broadcast and innovative to take on some leadership in the academy and say, okay, let's do some different things. And then five years from now, change it up and get other people Mm -hmm. and keep, keep growing with the platform. Cause it's, I I hear a lot and I used to work a lot with young people. So I appreciate it when people like, let's get more young people involved. Great. That's a solution for now, but you have to listen to them, use the innovative practices and then do something new again. You got to keep changing it up and growing and the Oscars has been the same thing for so long. They made some changes this year and none of it worked. So <laughs> that's why they, you they left uh, Blue Canoe, right, Mike? You you became an old man. Yeah, I, exactly. I became old. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's exactly. You're 100% in. I became out. old. I aged out. And I basically said, you know, I could carve out a role for myself in, in some sort of adult leadership. But I wanted to give other young people the opportunity to be like, here's everything. Just go for it. Make mistakes, but go out on your own and don't don't lean on anybody. Mike doesn't just learned. talk the talk; he walks the walk. People, yeah, get out, get out of there and go do something else because you're you're taking up some space. You you've got uh, other young people might want to come through and, and do something. So yeah, to me, I think it's just change it over. Get get some new voices in there. Try something new. We'll see what happens. But that's our fan questions for this week. Um, if you want to contribute, don't forget go to screeningandkingston.com or email us anytime screeningkingston at gmail.com we'll read your question on air all right let's talk some movies did you both watch our movies from a hat this week i did i'm dying to know who put the movies in the hat oh yes of course yeah i guess we we gotta do that too eh? um okay well let's uh let's let's do that right now so love and other drugs um was a, a suggestion by lily lily put in love and other drugs um, and I believe, so Owen is the one who put in Timeline, and I think Owen's put in another one before. I think this is the second Owen movie to come out of there. I can't remember what the first one was. But Owen put in Timeline, and Lily put in Love and Other Drugs. Guys, it's so hard because I know people are putting in their favorite movies, right? Like, these are... <laughs> Except for, who was the person who just put in a movie that they knew we wouldn't like? Oh. Didn't that happen already once? Wasn't that thought, Into the Woods? I thought that was Into the Woods. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, I just put this in because I know you'll hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're I either think, doing one of the two. I think, well, I got this sense watching these ones. These were like, someone's like, oh, th- this is my favorite movie and I want them to review my favorite movie. So you right. don't want to be like, I don't want to be like harsh, right? Why not? Um, <laughs> but I don't want to dash people's I, hopes and dreams. I, plan to I will say that I liked one okay. and did not like the other. Well, can I tell a quick story about watching these? 
Um, yes. So I, 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 I think it was Saturday or whenever I watched Love and Other Drugs, I popped it on and I was like, okay, I've seen this before. So I'll just, you know, I'll just watch it as a refresh. But 10 minutes in the movie, I realized I've never seen this before. I... <laughs> I don't know what movie I thought it was. I knew Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. I thought I'd seen this movie. Not ex- not at all what I was expecting. I was like, this it is was not much the movie. Uh, saucier. <laughs> I thought it was Lily, girl. That's a very good adjective for it. Yeah, it was I, I was very I was very shocked by a lot of things that happened in that movie, and also the fact that I I don't even know what I'm confusing it with. I never saw this movie. I thought it was more romantic comedy about a family. And like the 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 dad is is like trying to to get back out there because they're divorced, and this younger guy is helping him. And, That's and... crazy, stupid love with Ryan Gosling. Oh, is that okay? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell. Yeah, I thought that was this movie. No, <laughs> I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was like the guy who helped him. Okay, but so that was Ryan Gosling's and crazy, stupid love. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, there you go. So that's that was my story about watching this. Ten minutes in, I was like, I don't think I've actually seen this movie. And there you go. So let's uh, let's start with Love and Other Drugs. Then let's give our yeah let's, our review. Let's give our thoughts. Um, Taylor, kick us off. I enjoyed it. I thought it was um, you know a kind of more or less classic rom com setup with um, a little bit more dramatic than the than comedy, but you know the will they, won't they get together? There's um, conflict that's going to prevent them from getting together. Will There's a the lot more naked win? bodies Okay, than I expected. <laughs> I <laughs> was, it was a lot more naked bodies for a traditional rom-com. Yeah. And, like full frontal, like not. Yeah, exactly. This was made, I don't know, in the early 2000s. So like it wasn't male full frontal, but like there was female full frontal. And like even Jake Gyllenhaal showed off quite a bit of his body. Like, yeah. There was more than you would expect for this type of movie. Like that's the thing. Like, like, you you know, it it was, it has such a traditional rom-com setup and it feels like an adult romantic comedy. Like, yeah. An adult rom-com. Yeah. But then, but then it's, I think, yeah, Saucy was a great word. It goes places. You just don't think it's going to go all over the place. I guess like, um, I don't know what I, I guess you're right, Mike, because it, it presents itself as a traditional rom-com. Normally rom-coms don't have, does, they don't have that much explicit sex in them. No, I would say. Not at all. Um, but I guess the, when you read the synopsis, it talks about the rise of Viagra and like yeah. pharma, pharmaceutical companies selling Viagra. So I guess what were we expecting? A movie about Viagra? <laughs> It's of course gonna happen. Well, and again, I didn't know Viagra had anything to do with it until that part of the movie came. Right. Because um, I thought this was, I was waiting for Steve Carell. <laughs> when, when is Steve gonna show when, up? When is Steve Carell come? When does he change his life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This movie gosh. kind of fell into one of those, like, what I would call, like, a period piece that I forgot was a period piece. Um, <laughs> because, like, it, at the very beginning, it says 1996. And that, for some yeah. reason, I just completely forgot about that because everything about the movie seems so, like, it could be happening now. Yeah. The only really, like, hint is the flip phones. Flip phones, yeah. So when they bring up the fact there's this new drug coming around and stuff like that, I'm like, that sounds like Viagra. And they're like, yeah, we're calling it Viagra. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I thought that that was that was kind of interesting. That aspect of it was also something that 
some dramas and some romance films will do where they take a point in history but center a romance kind of around it i thought that was actually kind of interesting like the whole pharmaceutical stuff that he's into was very like that whole world is very interesting and strange and complex and the fact that like you kind of saw the beginning of this new drug and the reaction to it was also kind of interesting like i I, it kind of took me out of the romance don't you kind of just wish it was about now that we're talking about it, I would have taken out the like the romantic subplot altogether. Dan made a good point. He's like, it kind of feels like Wolf of Wall Street. But a little like, bit, yeah. If the, but if they had just focused on kind of like the ethical, you know, is is pharmaceuticals ethical? Blah blah, blah yada yada yada. Like the fact that, you know. It was weird. I mean, the movie wasn't out, I don't think, to make critiques about the system. But the fact that the girlfriend has to drive to Canada to get her meds, her yeah. her Parkinson's yeah. meds, and yet he has all these samples. I can't, I thought that would be a plot point, that he would, like, pull strings so that she would get her meds. But it never went that way. <laughs> but I guess yeah. that's a t- that would have been a different movie. Different, completely different movie. Yeah. Well, that's int- like they just they kind of use it as a framework to talk about these other things. But you're right. It slips into drama because the whole like her her entire journey through the film um, having Parkinson's is like the most dramatic heart filled parts of the film, like kind of seeing her deal with that and seeing kind of the mental toll it's taking on her is also like it's just here's something very dramatic here's a period piece about a real point in history that we had here's like a a straight up like wolf of wall street style like jake gyllenhaal talking fast selling things like (laughs) it's got all these different elements to it and to me that just made it such a unique watch like i just it was all over the place but not all over the place in the way that i normally am like pick a tone it was very watchable kind of worked it was very watchable but it kept going in directions where i was like wait oh okay we're doing this now like what's happening (laughs) it's like you would think that his occupation and her illness would have more overlap like i thought that those Mm -hmm. two storylines would overlap more and like contribute to the conflict but like she never had a problem with him being a pharmaceutical rep yeah and i would have thought with someone suffering from chronic ill i mean i i don't suffer from chronic illness so i can't like i shouldn't you know assume but i thought that would have been more of the linchpin to the conflict like she never was concerned that he became money hungry like that would have been like she was like completely fine with him buying that sports car i don't know the things i thought were gonna cause conflict never (laughs) caused the conflict yeah 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 it definitely seemed like they're like that kind of those two stories were more intertwined at the beginning when they were kind of equating his ability to sell drugs with how he is dealing with like romantic relationships Mm -hmm. is that you like lies mind games like self-branding um and all this kind of like look so like as the title love and other drugs um and kind of like intertwining the two but yeah once the actual love component started the the drug side kind of just became more of an obstacle to him being in the relationship and um it does mean like usually when you have these kind of like two different types of stories at the end, one of them kind of has to die. So the other can like have a climax and a, like, and, uh, and then actually end up ending in a satisfying way. And I do feel like the kind of like big pharma sales rep portion of the movie just kind of died so that we could yeah. have the romantic uh, comedy closure that we all craved. Well, literally yeah. the voiceover, yeah. like, <laughs> that was their solution. I hated that. Yeah. I hated that. 
Um, was weird. I was all pretty much on board. And then I think it was lazy how they ended the movie with the voiceover. Like they didn't need the voiceover. They could have just ended with them reconciling. But yeah. I think they didn't, the studios or whoever was in charge probably thought that the audience would need more closure. Yeah. yeah probably. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, Tyler, you're right. Like they kind of had to just let something go. So you can, you can't have, too many multiple endings so like again in the in the little montage during the voiceover they tried to wrap up everything okay well this is where he's going and he's doing this or whatever and i just that to me that was 100 the most intriguing part of the movie at least for me was his stuff and i also think jake gyllenhaal is one of those actors that this is the type of role that he like just thrives in the fast talking salesman kind of like morally on a little sleazy a bit of a line yeah, yeah. a little sleazy because <laughs> it kind of reminded me of a less what's that movie where he's he's night the crawler man. not night crawler yeah. yeah just a, a less messed up version of of that character but it's still that like quick talking can sell he's ambitious but Hustle, walks that you know hustling. Line. yeah the hustler yep. yeah i i think that he was perfect for this i one. thought he was really great well, it's um, like he's almost like too good because like there are times where I'm so used to seeing him as kind of a psychopath now in movies that like there'd be moments where he's like staring at the mirror and I'm kind of was like, I'm like, and this is where he turns into a homicidal maniac. No, nope, <laughs> he's still a romantic lead. Okay. This, <laughs> is where, this is where he throws his love interest under the bus to get the Viagra deal. Like yeah. that's like, I thought that the conflict was really going to be that like about yep. the pharmaceutical, but I... Aside from that, the story not going where I thought it would go. Again, I thought it was watchable. I thought it was, um, I enjoyed it. I don't think it was the necessarily the best movie ever made. Not even the best rom-com. But Mm -hmm. like you guys are saying, Jake Gyllenhaal's great. He can pretty aside from the movie tyler made us watch with him he's uh you know <laughs> he he could not save that movie that was the only movie Even in existence he couldn't he had save. to call in a do- it's like doppelganger yeah two jake jillenhalls can't save it, it. <laughs> um yeah. yeah josh dad or whatever his name is was great comic relief yeah. um, i thought the, the cast overall was was pretty good yeah. You know, I, I didn't have any problems. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people don't like Anne Hathaway, but I thought she was really good. Okay, but, that's... I was... Watch, sorry to cut you off, Tyler. I'll just say my piece about Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I liked Anne Hathaway. This is, like, the problem of social media or, like, the internet. I didn't know people had a problem with Anne Hathaway, and I was kind of, like, neutral towards her. Right. And then I read some think pieces about how everyone hates her, and, I, and it really made me... I don't know, like hypercritical of her performances. <laughs> so, Did it influence you a bit? Yeah. So like I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking like, is she a good actress? Like, is she good in this role? Which is like, un- <laughs> that's really unfortunate, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I like, thought she was Was good. she good? I, thought, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I thought so. I don't, I don't know what you think, Tyler, but I thought she was very good and she did the things that she needed to do and they had to good me, chemistry i'll put yeah it, like i thought the chemistry that. was good like i i didn't have a problem there yeah no like for a long time i for some reason i came into every Anne hathaway performance with my arms preemptively folded kind of like okay impress me and i don't know why that was <laughs> why? tyler <laughs> you probably read the same think piece i read maybe but it, it took like four <laughs> moves like then like every time though i would be happy with her performance and then yeah. it was like around the fourth time this was happening i'm like why am i doing this she's good like she's yeah. good at what she does like and i think it was around like the lay miz era because like she was having this reprisal and then everyone was coming and was like, actually, it's not that great. And it was just like, 
don't give me that. It was great. Her performance was pretty much the only great thing about that movie. And so is like, and I felt that she did a great job here. Yeah, I, I think she's pretty good. Like, I, I think that, you know, you people can write think pieces all I want, but because it's acting. It's going to be subjective. It's going to be opinion based. But I think she did all the right things. She was supposed to do. The chemistry was good between her and Jake Zillenhall. Um, it worked. Again, it's when you watch a movie, you know, you can try to plug other people into roles. And that's always my judgment of, okay, how would it go? And like you could for this movie. But again, there are things that happen where I'm like, the chemistry is so good that I, I kind of want it to be the two of them. Like it worked and it just came together. So I, I, I thought she was good. I thought the whole supporting cast was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Josh Gad was a good shout out. Like that's an early, early movie for him. Yeah. So yeah, I thought uh, overall, I thought the acting was good. So let's rate this film before we talk about timeline and compare the two. So go around, Taylor, kick us off. What's your rating? Stream it. Tyler. Yeah, I would say a solid stream it. Yeah, I'm going to give it a stream it too. There you go. Nice, Three stream it. Nice yeah. weekend movie. You know, throw yeah, it on on yeah. a Saturday afternoon. Just be prepared for prepared for more um, bodies than you would expect. Exactly. Yeah, full, full warning. We do have full nudity. We do have some younger people who watch this yeah. or listen to our show. This is a uh, I would say like 18, like not rated R, but like no, what would be R. the rating where like full like it was a lot of nudity. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be more than PG-13. Like it would probably be 18 plus. 18A, yeah. Yeah, 18A whatever, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's there was a scene like very early on where it's kind of like, "Oh, Oh, like this movie is a lot more risque than I thought it was going to be, and then it just kept getting more from there. Like, it just oh. kept going. It kept going and going. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about timeline, and then we'll compare the three. So timeline was the second movie that came out from from Owen. So uh, let's start with you, Tyler. What are your thoughts on timeline? Uh, I I feel really bad for Paramount. Um, <laughs> What a way! What movie. a way to open. Am I the only person who thought this movie was okay? But all yeah, right, go ahead. So, so <laughs> I'm going to preface this by saying is like I would have loved this movie is like back in my teenage years. Like my sure. sister and I used to love these type of movies, um, and we didn't care like what critics said. We didn't care if people liked them. We had these DVDs. We just watched them over and over again. And this has like everything that we would have loved at the time. Totally. Um, and I feel bad for Paramount because I think they really thought they had a winner on their hands. Um, yeah. They had like Paul Walker and Gerard Butler, like at the, like they're at the pinnacle of their like rise after their huge like successes in like the Fast and the Furious and like Reign of Fire and these other movies that draw. And Butler like a really solid in terms of like name, like supporting cast. Yeah. Like the these were like the who's here. who's. Yes. Like yeah. Billy Conley is like in this yep. movie. It's yep. like, um, it's like, and uh, the guy from Band of Brothers. Like, yeah. The guy from Band of Brothers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's just like these people that I'm like, oh yeah. So they've got this full cast and then they've got like a Michael Crichton book that they're adapting. Like, yep. and like they must be thinking like, yeah, Jurassic Park, but it's also medieval times and Lord of the Rings had just come out. Everybody yep. likes this arrows and swords and nonsense. Yep. It was in the height of it because I think it was it, or it came out in 2003. Yeah. So yeah. we'd had Troy and the oh, Lord yeah. of the Rings movies, like all these like what was the other weird one? Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven. With yeah. Orlando all Blue. those. Yeah. yeah. All those were coming and out the around Pirates of the time. Caribbean movies were right around the corner. It yep. was just like yep. they, they must have just thought like money signs. Like they this were is going to be they were so patting good. themselves on the back. <laughs> And exactly like preemptively they were like, is it? and then they must have saw the movie and just have thought to themselves, 
oh no <laughs> uh, well maybe people will still still come to see it and this movie like made back like half its budget yeah, yeah. And it, it did not do well it did not yeah do well. and all of that to say is that i don't think this is a bad movie per se and i i think that everyone on screen is very dedicated like all the yeah. actors <laughs> seem to believe in what they're doing uh, i think it's richard donner is the director who's like the director of the lethal weapon movies like he seems to really like have like faith in like the acting like, like the action scenes that are going to be really like jaw-dropping and interesting um but i just like never really got emotionally invested in anything throughout so like even it's like the climax of the movie and they're like this character that we've been with the entire time is about to die and i I, i'm really having a hard time getting myself to care um and that's not a good sign (laughs) well so okay i i also kind of feel similar that you did now i i had seen this movie when i was younger so this came out Mm -hmm. when i was in high school and i did see it and i remember the demographic probably 100 oh 100 yeah i loved this movie and even on the rewatch i i kind of feel the same way you did tyler i was like this isn't a bad movie i don't think it's what they wanted it to be but i didn't mind a weekend afternoon watch rewatch of it like i just Mm -hmm. didn't it was to me it was a fun adventure i like how they to me they accurately showed how dumb people would be if they did have time travel technology. Like you got the guy who wants to clearly monetize it and you got the military people who are really acting like horrible, horrible people and they die very early, but you've got these people trying to kind of take it over and you've kind of got this terrible things where they bring in archeologists, very Jurassic park, like who are like, Oh, this is a cool opportunity but i liked that i liked that kind of aspect of it but yeah they just the ending to me is where i didn't remember the ending falling apart as much as this movie did and i was like i don't i don't think i care as much as i'm supposed to that was kind of my feelings on it okay taylor break owen's heart how'd you (laughs) i'm sorry owen well i will echo what what you guys are saying it definitely feels like a movie that if you were like 14 you would have been like all over this, right? Totally. Um, and like, that's fine. Like, you know, so bad it's good type movie, right? Um, I'll just be like, I like the setup, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I like things like Westworld. Like, I like kind of alternative histories or, you know, corporations doing nefarious things with technology, whatever. I like all that stuff, but it's got to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. I didn't understand. I still don't understand why the corporation wanted to exploit the black hole. Like, I don't understand why they had hired the archaeology company to do what they were doing. So, like, I just didn't. It felt like two movies, right? Like, right these people had time traveled in the past and now they're trying to get back to the future and they happen to be in medieval times. And then this whole, um, you know, like the corporation having this technology and using it for nefarious reasons. And yet like those two things were supposed to go together, but I just did not, I did not understand. And that's like, that's the hazard when you're doing any sort of time travel movie, like whatever the mechanics are of time travel, you have to be, even if it doesn't make really make sense, 
it has to, it has to make sense in the context of the movie and you got to be you got to stick with it right like it, it might have been it might have been a stronger movie if they kind of went one or two ways like have the archaeologists discover and accidentally fall through a wormhole and get back in time in yep. the area that they are yep. or have the movie start with my father's missing i don't really know what to do i have nothing to do with, with archaeology i'm going to go to the site they've not haven't seen him and then, you know, because that, that was the whole premise is like this corporation hired the father to go back and Paul Walker's there to kind of wants to know where his father's gone, who's an archaeologist. So or just do that and just kind of have us follow him along. And he kind of he Paul Walker could be our introduction into the world and to what's going on. It might have been a stronger movie if they kind of picked a direction. That's the problem with adapting a book, right? And the book yeah. was well received when it came out because I read a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm like, was the book panned too? Because this <laughs> was like a bomb. <laughs> but the book was relatively well received. Um, but that's that's the problem, right? Where you're trying to adapt a, a complicated book by the sounds of it. It was written from multiple points points of views, similar to like a Game of Thrones book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you adapt that and make it make sense within two hours? So they could probably off... been a series like nowadays. Yeah. That would be a TV show. That would be a television right? show that people um, watch. Yeah. yeah. And to your guys point about acting, I don't know. Like I felt like the acting was very like B level with like a list, oh. <laughs> a list actors giving like B-level performances. Like Paul Walker felt like a surfer dude high schooler, but he's supposed to be like what? In his twenties? But that's that's his one note. Like he's always like I what I what I found interesting about this is that like we had so many characters that were in the central group being sent backwards. Um we didn't need most of them. Like we had kind yeah. of like multiple arcs that we were following. Like if Gerard Butler was the main character I think that would have been a lot more interesting because I didn't care about Paul Walker's like storyline pretty much at all. Um, And you didn't need like two like opposing romances that you were trying to follow. You didn't need this kind of like, like I I think they did need some military people to be like the quote unquote red shirts that could go back and like immediately die. Yeah. Um, To show the stakes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Which is what might I say? Like when I was watching that part, like they first show up in the, in the past and everything just goes terribly immediately. And all I could think of was that scene from Anchorman with Ron Burgundy going, well, that escalated quickly. (laughs) That really got out of hand fast. (laughs) I kind of liked that because to me in a more traditional movie, especially back then, is the minute you go back in time, everyone has like a moment to breathe and you kind of go through and then like something big happens. I kind of like that they show up, they're immediately in water and then they're attacked. Like it's just like, this is serious. And I kind of liked that elevation, but I do get what you're saying. They didn't need to kill two Marines. Like, and yeah. and they they you're right. I didn't. I think we had two of the same person, Gerard Butler and Paul Walker. I don't think we needed both of them. They were yeah. kind of like the same, you yeah. know, in a lot of ways. And let's face it, Gerard Butler's character was much more interesting. Yeah, and I don't particularly like Gerard Butler, but I liked him in this. Like, I think this was this worked for him. And he, you're, I now that you say that, you're right. I would prefer to just follow his character along throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we've got to we got to get going here. So let's just <laughs> final thoughts on the movie. Um, final thoughts on the movie here as you give your rating. Just give your final thoughts and your rating, and then let's do some quick comparisons before we uh, announce our award winners from last from two weeks ago. I'm sorry, so, uh, Owen. It's a skip it for me. 
skip it from Taylor. Okay, Tyler. Um, I would say that if you're an as like an adolescent um, and you're looking for something to enjoy with your friends, uh, this would be a great movie to watch. And like otherwise, I would probably recommend skip it. See, I'm going to give it an airplane it because if you just throw this on on an airplane, it will definitely distract you for the time that you're traveling eventually when you're allowed to. Um, so I'm going to give it an airplane it. Um, any comparisons between Love and Other Drugs and Timeline? <laughs> I was struggling to make any comparisons you know what? between okay. these two movies. I am so proud of myself. The Ooh. connection is okay, go ex-Marines. <laughs> So there's oh, ex, yeah. there's ex marines in timeline. Those are the one like yes. they're there to protect the assets. Yeah. And then Jake Gyllenhaal's main like adversary or, or like uh, I don't know. Oh, that guy is also yeah. ex marine. When he punches him in the face, that guy. the haircut he goes, guy. He goes, "I'm ex marine," and I <laughs> turned to Dan and I went, "That's the connection." There it is. <laughs> Wow, that's a good one. I completely forgot about the the rival, the Jake Gyllenhaal's yes. rival in yeah. that movie. Um, yeah, okay. I guess the ex marines. Um, I mean, I guess there's there's a romance and, and yeah. love connection like that. That's running between the two. But other than that, I don't know. Tyler, you're good at connections. Yeah. So I came up with a few. They're they're not all especially good though. So there's one that was um, both of these are kind of like now where do I know that person from movies where <laughs> an true. actor would show yeah. up and I'd be like now who are you? And it's <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> It happened with Hank Azaria and Judy Greer in yep. it's like um, Love and Other Drugs, and then it happened with Billy Conley, it's like the guy from Band of Brothers, mm-hmm. and um, Lupin. And like um, and Lupin, yeah, and Lupin, yeah. yeah. I, was like, I was sitting there, I'm like, now where do? And for some reason, the first thing I went to was Wonder Woman, and I'm like, oh, but of course, also Remus he, Lupin. So what yeah, am I doing? He was Wonder Woman, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was in a Wonder Woman. I thought of because um, I there's a movie I loved as a kid called um, Dragonheart. It's mm, about the yep. last dragon and he he's younger in that mm. movie but that was the first time i saw i think david thewells is that his name he's a british actor yeah he's been in tons of movies tons but, of stuff but he's most famous at being remus lupin and harry potter but also he was in the wonder woman movie and i remember him from Dragonheart. so yeah he was he was in there yeah, yeah our generation will always know him as a werewolf Yep. Um, but then also, I was like, I felt that both of these movies were also kind of like two different types of movies smushed together. One of them was uh, romantic comedy <laughs> and the kind of like big pharma conspiracy. The other one was kind of like a knights, like knights swords and uh, like with knights with swords sort of movie, as well as like a corporate conspiracy sort of movie. And then both of them kind of just unceremoniously murder one of the two storylines in the third act so that they don't have to worry about it anymore and they're yeah. like okay let's just let's let's give them the emotional catharsis of this type of movie yeah. and not worry about trying to pay off the other type yeah that's fair because you well, could also was... the you know nefarious corporations both yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's true yeah this was a very interesting Sometimes we get two movies come out of the hat and it's it's a little painful and sometimes it's 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 interesting to try to compare them and there's lots of you'd never expect to compare the the movies together. This week was just unique. Like it was just two <laughs> kind of fine movies like okay to watch, nothing really did much to talk about and it just sort of happened and I I I'm very intrigued by by what 
else could come out of this hat because now we're now we're getting into some very very strange things um okay we've got to uh announce some winners here from from our big award categories we did two weeks ago we got to find ever... out we got to find out if bo berman's burnham is getting up so so the bo <laughs> that that category has a really funny story to it and Uh-oh. we'll get to it but uh we'll the the most important thing to remember is um we, we had the fans vote, and you voted in large numbers. We had 117 people wow. vote um, for this. So that's a lot of math I had to do, but it's done. Um, <laughs> so 117 votes came through, and we're going to go through and go through every single category, give you the winners. And yeah, we'll find the big one we'll leave to last um, because this will have a drama to it. We, are we trying to send Bo Burnham an award? We're going to find out. Um, so, Tyler, let's uh, let's go through this. Give us the first start from the bottom um, and we'll go we'll go up and leave uh, leave the Bo Burnham category to last. So give us give us the first category here. All right. So the first category was best Mikeisms, And we had bringing up his theater background, mentioning Star Trek, the quote, I don't know if I've mentioned it before and ripping on the masterpiece that is her smell. Um, so who won? So with 79% of the votes mentioning Star Trek uh, nice. won. 79% of the votes came through there. Only 1% for ripping on her smell. Oh, so, no one likes that, Mike. No, no one, one likes, likes that. that. <laughs> and, then, and then both the other two got 10% of the votes. But it was, it was overwhelmingly Star Trek with 79. Some of the categories are a lot closer than this, but uh, 79% for Star Trek. Terrific. Well, the next one is best fan question ever. We have from Unknown, who do you think you are? Um, Chris, fan of the show, you guys all right? Um, Lily, did you get canceled? And then also the Wes Anderson quiz from also okay. Unknown. <laughs> the West, oh, yeah, I forgot about the Wes Anderson <laughs> quiz. <laughs> um, so the winner, and this one wasn't even close, 100% voted for who do you think you are? Yeah, yeah it's Unknown. just the best one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's it was early on in our show too, so that was that a was classic a moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been referenced several times as well, and every time it just gets better. <laughs> I wish I knew who said. I, I need to go back and find out who wrote that in. I thought they had a name with it, but I think I'll, it really sets the tone for the for our <laughs> show yeah, interaction. With who your do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Best guest. We have um, Nicole, uh, the Tiffin Movie Club correspondent, Wendy from the screening wi- uh, room, uh, the Starowitz um, directing team, and some guy who talks about Star Trek a lot. Uh, so this category was also not close. With 100% of the votes, Wendy. Oh, nice. Yeah, one. yeah uh, good choice. Yeah, not one vote for anyone else, including Tyler Bates. Yeah. <laughs> probably because he likes her smell. Like, that's probably the reason. Yeah, that was probably what did it, really. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Um, next one, worst movie club film. Um, so was it Into the Woods, Under the Skin, or the consensus pick, Enemy? So the consensus pick did not win this. Um, oh, yeah, because it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess there's a, but Tyler, I don't know. Did you vote 117 times? Like, it, it, oh, yeah. Just like every time I came, it's like, I yeah. wake up in the morning, yeah. vote, go eat people, breakfast, vote. People threw their votes defending Enemy and, and her smell here. Um, so the winner with 95% of the votes was Into the Woods. Wow. Uh, only 5% said enemy and 0% under the skin. Into the woods, universally hated. <laughs> I think that's fair, though. Like, I think this is more saying, yeah, people saying that enemy was good. I think people are just saying into the woods is that bad. 
yeah, like the other ones, at least, even if you don't like it, there's there's something to think about afterwards, as opposed to Into the Woods was just painful watching it, and then it was painful afterwards as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, next one is Most Taylor Scene. So cool. we had the walk home from Promising Young Woman. We had the first scene in a field from The Ravenous. We had the cult scene from Lovebirds, and we had the final death scene from Neon Demon. So this one is my favorite category. Um, And this is the closest one. So the winner only like barely won here. So the winner with 32% of the vote was the walk home from Promising Young Woman. Yeah. 32%. So 31%, the first scene in the film for The Ravenous, 30%, the final death scene, Neon Demon, and 7% cult scene from Lovebirds. So people were a lot more torn on the Taylor scenes. They were all Taylor scenes. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why one <laughs> of votes all equally. Over the place. They were equally. They represent all as or all facets of my winning personality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next category: best supporting performance. Um, so we'll leave that one to last. Okay. So then the one after that yeah. will be the best performance of films that were reviewed in 2020. Um, so is it, this could be uh, Naomi Meron from Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Ronnie Rowe from Black Cop, Sasha Baron Cohen from Borat Subsequent Movie Film, or Carrie Mulligan from Promising Young Woman? 60% of the vote went to Carrie Mulligan. So 60% nice. uh, and Carrie Mulligan's winner. Now, it was it was kind of close with everyone else. 20% for uh, Naomi Merlant, um, 14% for Sasha Baron Cohen, and 6% for Ronnie Rowe. So some votes in there for everybody else, but Carrie Mulligan, 60%. People seem to, to pick her. Yeah. Uh, and then, so we're going to do best movie next. Yeah, we'll do best movie because our best supporting is actually dramatic. So. <laughs> actually dramatic. Yeah. Well, then the best movie of 2020 was either going to be *The Five Bloods*, *Mank*, or the consensus pick, which was *Promising Young Woman*. And the consensus pick took it. 95% yeah. of people voted wow, said nice. *Promising Young Woman*. Five uh, percent for *The Five Bloods* and, and zero for *Mank*. Ouch! I yeah. even though I'm happy *Promising Young Woman* won. Zero for Mank. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> uh, so that just leaves one category. Best Supporting Performance. Um, so we have Amanda Sidfried for Mank. Um, Sophia Lillis for Uncle Frank. Uh, Yoon Yo Jung for Minari. Or Bo Burnham for Promising Young Woman. And with 73% of the vote, Bo Burnham yes! takes it. <laughs> um, not even close. Now, here's the funny thing. So I, you, you both remember I said 117 votes came in yes. for, for these, but 142 votes came through for this category. Mm. <laughs> so I didn't know through the website you could just vote for one thing. Like I thought you had to fill out the whole form and it wouldn't let you submit it. Apparently that's not true. Look at that. Because um, we got extra people <laughs> who either just came back and voted for the Bo Burnham category or what have you. But yeah, he took it from a very wide margin. So I guess we're trying to find Bo Burnham to give him an award. I love it. From this point on. So that's that's now something we're doing. The manhunt begins. <laughs> the manhunt begins. <laughs> um, so the Amanda Seyfried had 19% of the votes. Uh, Yung Jung Yoon had 7% of the votes. And Sophie, Sophia Lillis had 1% of the votes. So Mike, some, some votes came in there, but. Mike, you are in, you know, you have ties to the entertainment industry. I'm confident we're going to be able to get an address. Even I don't if know it's... anyone who knows Bob Burnham, like that's <laughs> even if it's just we mail it to to Netflix. But 
you know, people send actors fan mail yeah. all the time. Well, pro- we the best case we have is to find out what agency represents him and go through the agency. So yeah. that will be our task. Um, I'm sure we can find that information and we'll just have to convince them we're not sending him anything crazy. We're not psycho. <laughs> yeah. And then we got to get an award for him and we got to send it to him. So there's a lot to do that begins today. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that we have T-minus one year before the next Oscars to see yes. if we can get this done. Okay, we have one year, <laughs> and we'll we'll have to do uh, weekly or bi-weekly Bo Burnham updates. Um, we've got to draw some movies from a hat. Oh, you yeah. ready for this. We're going to draw two more movies out of this hat. Um, so That's my drum here. roll. It's a good drum roll. Uh, <laughs> I've got the, once again, the Kingston Frontenac toque comes out here. Let me just... Here we go. The first movie for next week is. If I can open this thing. Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A bit off season, but still right. A bit off season, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Die Hard comes out of the hat. Number one. The second movie we will be watching will be. Oh, man. This Life is... of Brian. Monty Life Python and Die Hard. Yeah, I'm not a Mon- Monty Python. You don't like Monty really? Python? I don't, oh, no. No, I, I love I Monty Python. I don't find it funny at all. So this is one one Taylor movie, one Mike movie. Yeah, because yeah. I, yeah, I like Die Hard. So Life of Brian and Die Hard will be the films that we have to, to watch next week. That'll be really interesting to compare these. That'll be a I, very strange combination. Yeah, it isn't Life of... No, that's Holy Grail's the, the night one. Yeah. yeah, Life of Brian is the one that's um, kind of based off of the life of Jesus. What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's well, on we... It's on Netflix, Mike. Oh, okay. And is, Brian, is the joke who Brian is? Like, am I ruining it by asking, well, who's Brian? That's, like, pretty much the premise of the movie. Like, he just okay. kind of, yes. like, accidentally... Oh, you find out who Brian is. He, like, accidentally gets, like, roped into the events of the crucifixion. And his name's Brian? Yeah. 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 Ah. Cool. Well, that'll that'll be that'll be something. So, Die Hard and Life of Brian, and everyone can definitely watch along with us. Send us your thoughts. Um, t- uh, Tyler, thank you for thank coming you back so much, and, Tyler, and doing this. Oh, not a, um, like not a problem. It was my pleasure, and I will be writing in next week so you can hear good. all my lovely thoughts about Die Hard and Life of Brian. Yeah, this will be this will be a very interesting conversation. So I'm glad that you'll write in, and I hope other fans take from your lead and write in again. Um, let us know what you think about the the movies that we're watching. Try to pull comparisons. That's what's fun. Pull comparisons out of these movies that are random, submitted by our wacky fans. <laughs> um, but thank you, everyone, so much for for listening this week. Tune in next week. Die Hard and Life of Brian came out of the hat. We'll review those for you next week. Go stream some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.